And we want to be that church here in East Pasco. So I want to lift the story from the book of Acts chapter 20. And um, it's a story. It's an interesting story of something that happened at church. And you, this, this story might wake you up if you're a little sleepy. But Acts chapter 20 of verse 7. And this is a story of Paul, kind of the beginning church planner. This was kind of the person who had different locations and he was all over the place. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Wouldn't you like it if I preached till midnight tonight? I could. The upstairs room where we met uh, was lighted with many flickering lamps. There's a lot of lamps in the room. And as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell to the ground asleep and dropped three stories to his death that's why you can't fall asleep in church <laughs> we're on the bottom floor don't worry about it fell asleep in church he dropped three stories Paul went down bent over him and took him into his arms don't worry he said he's alive then they all went back upstairs shared in the Lord's supper and ate together did y'all read what I just read? This man just fell from a three-story window. Paul goes over to him, heals him miraculously, and they go back upstairs. We are that church. I'm just going to declare that. And they ate. Paul continued to talk to them until dawn. He literally preached from the afternoon to the morning. A man fell down and he died. He was resurrected and they went back to church. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt. Somebody say unhurt. Unhurt and everyone was greatly relieved. Father, I just pray that you'll help me preach this message today. That Lord, we will leave knowing that we are that church. We are the church that you've called us to be. And we're grateful and we're thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think that this text really inspires me because when I look at the book of Acts and I read about this amazing, amazing church, I I see our church in it. I see your faces. I see this building and I see this church in my mind that I dream about. It's a church with great impact. It's a church with great reach. It's a church where the miraculous happens. It's a church that something is always exciting and people shared what they had and they cared about each other. And they came together every single day because they didn't have a choice. Because in this particular time when the church birthed, it was not popular to be a believer. In fact, it was dangerous to be a believer. I believe even as we are living in this modern day day and what the Bible will teach us about things that will happen before the Lord comes, that it's going to be more and more unpopular to be a believer. 
And I'm not just talking about a believer in the Bible or a believer in the church. I'm talking about believer in what is right and what is godly. As we move into this world, and even in the last year, we can see that this world is changing and it's getting worse. And people are finding ways to rationalize reasons to not model the life of Christ. But we are the church that chooses to model that life. We have, our cho- we have chosen our name to be new movement because we want to be the movement of the spirit of God in this generation and in every generation until he comes. And so it's going to be harder and harder to stand for truth. It's going to be harder and harder to stand for what's right. It's going to be harder and harder to live as a believer in a world that doesn't want you to believe. And that's what these people were. They were, they were some radical people. And as we mentioned uh, last week, these people in this church were people who were called out. That's literally what uh, the Bible talks about. The name of believers are the called out ones. The ones that were called out of darkness into the light. They were called out of dysfunction into the light. They were called out of oppression, out of depression, out of addiction. How many of you know today that whatever you might be in, if you're in a dark place, that God is calling you out of it? That you don't just have to maintain, you don't just have to get by, you don't just have to deal with it. God wants you to thrive in a way that you are living and breathing and walking full of life, an overflow of life. And so these are people who were called out. And this church had a lot of different types of people. There were short people, there were tall people, there were dark people, there were light people, there were rich people. There were poor people, there were men and women, there were slaves, there were those who were uh, employers, there were a different group of people. And when they got together, their common belief was God. And when they got together because of the oppression and because of the mass criticisms that they faced, when they got together, they would eat together, they would strengthen each other. And they would have to encourage one another in the Lord because the pressure of following God was getting harder and fiercer and stronger. And so when they got together, it was lit. It was a party. It was exciting. They weren't sitting down just kind of humdrumming along and playing Uno and just pitter-patting and looking on their phone. No, they, when they got together, it was a celebration. They were rejoicing. It was a lit church. You ever been to a church like that? It's kind of a trick question, isn't it? It's supposed to say, yeah, I have. It's supposed to be this one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. We're, we're not lit the way I want us to be lit. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the way you praise God. Because you can praise God whatever way you want. If you want to sit reserved and stoic, that's cool. As long as you're in the si- inside just celebrating. And if you want to shout and run around the pews, and, or not pews, but run around the chairs, that's fine. You can do that. But what we are going to do is be lit. We are going to be excited. We are going to be a church that is celebrating the goodness of God. It's like, you know, there's a couple different things, gatherings. I'm just going to tell you so your feelings are not hurt. Like, there's a couple different gatherings in different environments that I need to be a certain way or I'm not showing up. I'm just going to tell you. 
if you invite me over to watch the Seahawks game, and you're the kind of person that has the game like on the TVs, like on 15, right? And you just kind of sitting around and you want to talk through the game and you want to talk about stuff. Don't invite me over because you, you might not want me to come to your house when the game is on. Because I'm going to be screaming, I'm going to be yelling, I'm going to be throwing stuff, I'm going to be drinking a whole bunch of root beer floats, eating all the pizza, I'm going nuts, I'm going wild. Because I'm excited about the game, right? Because see, this is one of the reasons I'm excited about the game, because I've actually been to the game. I went to the Seahawks game, somebody in this church brought me to the Seahawks game. I don't know how much these tickets were, but I know they were expensive, and I didn't care. And let me tell you something. If you've ever been to a Seahawks game, I got to go and I got to sit by the 50-yard line. Yeah, I got to sit. I could read the tag on Russell Wilson's jersey. Like, I was, I was that close. And, and when I got to the building, before I even walked in the building, I could smell the marijuana that was being smoked outside of the, key, of the arena. I could smell the hot dogs. I could smell the beer because they were going to sell. And I'm trying to tell you, when I got into the arena, it was one of the most lit places I've ever been in. And because I was sitting down in the front, I quickly realized that when you go to the Seahawks game and you're in the, in the spot, you're not supposed to sit down. Somebody had seats like that. I'm just trying to tell you, like, you can't sit, like, I was trying to sit down, and they're like, no, you can't sit down in this section. And everybody was screaming and going crazy, and I saw the game up close, and I just felt like going to get a 12 tattoo on my back. Like, I was hyped. Because I, so when, when I'm watching the game now, it's messing me up, because I see the game like I'm at the game. And some of you play football. I got a couple ex-football players in here, and they'll tell you, when you know, they can't get too close to a helmet and some pads. They'll think they can run out and play right now, get a concussion and come home. Because, because there's something about it, when, you, when you're in it, you realize, this is, what I, this is what I want. And so you might not want to invite me over the game. You might not want to invite me, because when I'm coming to even just watch the game, I'm, I'm coming to celebrate. And I want the kind of church here, and we are that church, that, that we're like, you may not want to sit next to me because I'm getting ready to shout. I'm getting ready to yell. I'm ready to put my hands up. I'm getting ready to sing off key. Like, just turn it up because that's why it's so loud in here because not everybody can sing. That's why we have the music loud and we have the lights off. Just in case your wig, your weave, or your eyelashes fall off, you can just pick them up and put them right, no, don't put them right back on. But things happen when it's lit. No, nobody walks into the, to the club like this. Hello, hi, great. Nice environment. No, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to dance. I'm just going to watch everybody else dance. Like, man, you, you can't even get in the club with that kind of... You, look, no, we're not letting you in, sorry. You ain't even dressed right. Get out of here. It's lit. This church is crazy. And let me tell you why. It says it here in verse, um, in, in verse 7, I believe it was, that, yeah, they were there together. They were gathered, and the believers were chilling. They were sharing in the Lord's Supper. And Paul was preaching to them, and he was going to leave the next day. So he kept preaching. See, Paul did not live in this city. 
Paul was like one who started the church and he would leave and he would come back and visit. They weren't able to watch him on Facebook Live. They weren't able to connect with him throughout the week. Like Paul would come every couple years or every couple months. And when he got there, he had a lot to say. And so they were coming with an expectancy. And what Paul did is everywhere he went was they and what the believers did was they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, some of you may hear that and think, what is the Lord's Supper? Well, the Lord's Supper, you may hear another word for it, communion. Anybody ever the word communion? And it was a practice that really was very, a very ancient practice. Now, I want to take you back to the original Lord's Supper or where communion comes from. And we find it in the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 12. Now, we go way back to the history of God's people way back. And at this time, God's people were kind of under the same conditions. They were, they were enslaved. They were not free. They were in bondage. And God was getting ready to deliver them out. He was getting ready to call them out of Egypt and into a new land, into Canaan. And so the, so what happened was there was all these different miracles and all these different plagues that God is just wrecking, wrecking the Egyptians. He's just letting them know who he is. And right before they go out, here were the instructions that God gave. This is the night before they are delivered here in verse 11. So Moses, who's the leader, gives these instructions. He says, these are your instructions for eating this meal. It was called the Passover meal. It was called the Passover meal because the last plague that God was going to put on Egypt was that every firstborn in the country, whether human or animal, was going to die. If they did not have the bl- a blood from a lamb washed over their doorway, that was the stipulation. And God gave this instruction freely to anyone. So whether they were Egypt, Egyptian or whether they were Hebrew or something else, if they had faith and believed in the instruction of the Lord, they were to put this blood over their doorway And when the spirit of death, when the angel of death, as it's called, would come and pass by this house, that no death would come into the house. But if it passed by and there was no blood over the doorway, then every firstborn in that room would die. God announced it. He told it. This was the last plague before they left. And this was to counter the plague that Pharaoh himself did and had every child killed. Remember if you remember the story of Moses that when Moses was a little boy, this same plague went out from Egypt to kill every firstborn of the Israelites and God's bringing this same curse back to them. And so that night comes and he says, look, I can imagine that you might be a little terrified, right? I would be if I knew the angel of death was passing by my house. Look, I don't care. I'm I'm terrified. I'm painting the whole house with blood. I'm like, look, we're going to paint. I'm painting myself. Like, we're just going to make sure that we did it right. So here's what God says through Moses. He says, look, look at this. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals and carry your walking stick 
in your hand. I wish I could preach that because Moses is basically saying that God is saying, when I'm getting ready to deliver you, you need to be ready to leave. Some of us ask for help. God, get me out this relationship, but we're not ready to leave. Get me out of poverty, but we're not ready to leave. Get me out of addiction, but we're not ready to leave. He said, no, I want you to be fully dressed. I don't want you getting ready. I want you to be ready. So when I come by, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be fully dressed. He says, I want you to eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. He's going to pass over your house. And on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son, firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. In other words, Egypt didn't believe in God. They believed in other gods. And so he's coming in showing that none of those gods can save them. Because they really felt that Ra, if you've watched any of those movies, Egyptian movies, right, was the sun god and he was the giver of life. And they felt that when someone died, that they could always come back to life or they would live eternal. That's why we have pyramids. And so he's like, I'm bringing judgment on that god. So when you see the blood, oh, but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign. Mark your houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land. This is a day to what, everybody? Remember. This is a day to remember. And what does he say? You must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. For it is, for this is a law for all time. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. For seven days, the bread of you, the, um, For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your home. Anyone who eats bread with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. And on the first day of the festival, and on again on the seventh day, all people must observe the official day for holy assembly. No work of any kind will be done on these days except the preparation of food. Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will what? Remind you that I brought your forces, I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. Let me go back to that verse again. Uh, back here it says for, um, that you, will, you must celebrate it and you must remember it. This is verse 14. As, as a special festival to the Lord, this is law for all time. I want you to hear the heart of God in here. He's saying, I'm getting ready to deliver you out of Egypt. I'm in, getting ready to take you from rags to riches. I'm getting ready to bring you into deliverance. And so I have inserted a festival to celebrate the fact that I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. And you must remember it and you must celebrate it. When you remember your deliverance, you must celebrate it. 
You must celebrate it with feasting and you must celebrate it with the assembly of coming together. You must celebrate it together to remember for all time that I am the God that brings people out of Egypt. So while people are crying in the middle of the night because their firstborns are dying, you are to be in the room celebrating your deliverance. While the world is crying and weeping, I want you to have a house ready to be celebrating and rejoicing the deliverance of your God. And every single year, I want you to remember this, to remember that I am the God who delivers. Can I just tell you that when you come on every single Sabbath, this is the time that we celebrate the deliverance of our God. We remember what he brought us through. We remember how he brought us out of Egypt. That's why I get lit at church. Because I remember when I wasn't here. I remember when I wasn't where I should have been. I remember when my life was in shambles. And I remember that it was the house of God. It was Jesus who brought me out from where I was. And so this Passover feast is a celebration. So it was practiced for years. For years and for years and for years. And so Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And he picks this up because Jesus dies the weekend of Passover. Because the blood that went over the doorpost was symbolic of the death of Jesus. Because in order to put that blood on the doorpost, a lamb was killed. A lamb was sacrificed. And it was symbolic of the lamb of God, Jesus, who would die so that death would pass over us. And anyone who claims the blood of Jesus, it is washed on the doorstep of your heart. We will pass from life to life that although we experience the first death or this death of our bodies, the second death, when Jesus comes again, we won't experience. It will be a Passover and that our life will be given to us eternally through God. And so Jesus died on that weekend. Here's what's worse. The people who killed him, the Bible says, tried to hurry and crucify him so they could keep the Sabbath. They were trying to hurry and crucify him so they could celebrate Passover. See, that's what happens when you don't remember to celebrate. Your, your world gets warped and you begin to just think of churches checking off boxes and I showed up and I came and I completely am disconnected to what God did for me and why I'm here. I'm here because God delivered me. I'm here because he brought me out. I'm here because he died for me. I'm here not to do God a favor. We're not doing any God any favors. We're here to celebrate because we remember what he did for me. 
So that weekend, Paul begins to teach here in 1 Corinthians. He begins to break it down. He says, he says, look what happened here. For, for I'll pass on to you what I received from the Lord. Paul said, let me break down what the Lord showed me. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Here, they're having this meal up in the upper room. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's really before their eyes showing them the symbolism. He's making the connection that this feast that you celebrated all your life is really about me. So he breaks it. He said, my body, this is my body that's getting ready to be broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people and agreeing agreement confirmation with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. In other words, he says, this is the night before I'm getting ready to be betrayed. This is the night before I'm crucified. And I want you to see something that when you drink this wine, it is my blood poured out for you. And it's a new covenant. It's the covenant that this body and the old covenant of just bringing your offerings and your sacrifices to God, that's, we won't need that anymore. You just need to bring your heart to me. I'm going to fulfill it. And Paul says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. I better read that again. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In other words, when you do the Lord's Supper, you are celebrating. You are celebrating the fact that not only has he died for us, but that he's coming again. That he's coming again to take us and fulfill the promise of eternal life. So every time we take the Lord's Supper, we have a reminder of what Jesus did for us. We have a reminder of what we celebrate. And we have to remember to celebrate. Because when we think about what God has done for us, all we've got to do is go back. I don't know how long you need to go back. I don't need to go back very long. And you remember what you were going through. You remember the death of that loved one. You remember the loss of that business. You remember the heartache of that breakup. You remember the disappointment. You remember that health crisis. You remember what you went through. And you say, you know what? I would have not gone through that unless it was for the grace of God. Unless it was for Jesus, I would have never made it through. And that's why the church is lit. That's why he's preaching all night long and everybody's listening to him because they took the Lord's Supper and it was practical for them. And they remembered that their very lives could be taken when they left that service. They remembered that my very life could be killed for the cause of Christ leaving tonight. And Paul is leaving and I've got to get everything he's got to say because I can't miss a thing because I might need it. And I'm so excited to be in a room full of people who realize that they've been bought by the blood of Jesus. They've been redeemed. They've been restored. They have been 
a part of the body of Christ. And so they're in the church and Paul is preaching all night long. And the room is lit. They're celebrating. They're rejoicing. They're giving. And we are that church. We're not going to forget where we came from. I need to say that again to some black and brown people in here. We're not going to forget that where we came from. Can we just keep it real in here? Like about 40, 50 years ago, your grandparents couldn't get the degree that you got. Some of, some of your grandparents on the other side would never be set foot in a place with other black and brown people. Can, can, we, just, can we just remember to celebrate that it wasn't that long that God brought deliverance his people to you how about you here because somebody prayed for you how about you here because somebody gave you a bible study how about you here because somebody invited you to a meeting how about you here because somebody invited you to church so why wouldn't I invite somebody else why wouldn't I bring somebody else why wouldn't I serve somebody else why wouldn't I pray for somebody else why wouldn't I believe for deliverance for somebody else if I've been delivered and I can testify that God brought me through he can bring anybody through and we are that church that's going to celebrate the fact that Jesus is not done with us and he's not done with them. So we're not going to sit in here and be cute and be quiet and try to look perfect. We're going to celebrate the fact that God brought us out. He brought us out. So while they're sitting there, everybody's on one accord. The Bible says a young man was sitting in the window. And the details are really good because it says there was lights everywhere so it wasn't like it was just dark and the Bible says it was a young man and he's sitting in the window and Paul is preaching and everybody's locked in Paul's preaching and everybody's listening and my man is dozing off I don't know what he did last night there was no Dutch brothers there was no roasters right nobody went and brought him a Red Bull to keep him up he's just he's dozing off he's in the he's in the room but but he's dozing off there's a lot of people in the room but they're they're not really involved and he falls and he falls to his death in the church. Do you realize it's possible to go to church and still be lost because, because you're drowsy? Because you're up all night on Netflix. And you're up all night on video games and you're up all night on your past and you're up all night on your disappointment and you're so consumed on everything else. I don't know why he fell asleep. He could have had a great reason. But it was the wrong time to fall asleep. But it was the best place to fall asleep. Because he fell asleep from the window. In the room. He falls. And he falls to his death. And Paul gets up and walks downstairs. Now, I, I this, look. I understand why he preached to the next day. And why they stayed. 
because if somebody died and I brought him back to life I'm not going anywhere <laughs> right like I'm gonna stay awake the whole night like I'm not falling asleep and just in case something happens this man just raised somebody from the dead so he's got to have some juice somewhere he's got to have some clout with God I need to stick around and hear what he has to say this is what I want to show you Paul they went upstairs so Paul so wait so let me go back so so Paul the guy falls to his death Paul just nonchalantly comes over is like no he's good lays on top of this young man here here's what I wrote down that I didn't I didn't want to miss to say if we're not careful because the Bible said it was a young man if we're not careful we can lose a generation if we're not careful we can miss our young people falling from the ceiling because they're in the room but they're not really engaged and if we're, if we're not careful we can sit back and watch people just fall but Paul gets up he goes over there he says don't worry about it he's alive verse 11 said they went back upstairs and it says they did what what it said they did they shared in the Lord's Supper they went back upstairs and said all the more reason why we should celebrate the death of Jesus because we just saw a miracle in the house y'all didn't hear what I just said see the more you see a miracle in the house the more you bring your dead man to, to church and he comes back to life the more you bring your dead marriage back in church and it comes back to life your dead finances those things that you just kind of put up in the air and, and it came back to life the more you realize why you need to celebrate the more you realize why you need to say thank you Jesus and lift your hands and I don't have a problem getting involved because this this was dead and now it's alive so they went back upstairs and Paul kept preaching today till dawn and then he left and I like verse 12 meanwhile the young man was taken home unhurt and he was greatly they were greatly relieved they were like we're so glad we came to church today They were like, we're so glad we showed up. They came in with joy. They had joy while they were there. And they left with joy. See, the music may not always be on point. Can I just be honest with you? My sermon may not always be legit. You might be like, Pastor, that was a bad sermon. Ice cream sandwiches might melt every once in a while. Batteries might go out flags may not be out may be out grass may be cut may not be cut bathroom may be clean may be not clean but what matters is what you bring and if you come into the house and bring joy the only thing they will remember is that I had a great time in the house of the Lord and I'm relieved because somebody died and they came back to life and I'm just trying to tell you, we're that church that's going to celebrate whether things are perfect, whether they're wrong. We're going to bring somebody in the house because somebody deserves life. And we're that church. And we're that church, not because of me, but because of you. So my challenge is when you come next week, when we come back to this church next week, matter of fact, forget that, before we leave, this church needs to be lit. 
we need to thank you baby we need to celebrate what God has done for us and, and you may not realize what God has done for you yet it, you may be still thinking that it was you you, you may even still be thinking that you're stuck in it because you keep going back and God's like I already, I already moved you out of that apartment like, why you keep moving back there I already moved you out of that space I've already delivered you you, you just need to come to where the deliverance is and I don't know what I don't know maybe what's what's holding you back but I'm just trying to tell you I'm gonna lead the charge that this place reminds me of what the Lord brought me through and this place when I leave here I celebrate each and every one of you and the stories and the, those we've privileged to see go down in this pool and come up soldiers for Christ we got a lot to celebrate church and I'm telling you I want the church lit I've told the church Look, we're going to keep it 100. You know what that means? We're going to keep it 100. You know what that means? That means, that means from September to December, we're going to keep it 100. Okay, let me make it real practical. We got 100 chairs, and we're going to keep them all filled. From September to December, we're going to keep it 100. Okay, let me say it one more time. We got 100 of these chairs. We got 50 other black chairs that we're going to bring in here. We're going to bring in all these chairs. And I want every, every single chair. Because every single chair has been prayed for. It's been bought. We have expectation that someone's going to sit in it. But I can't bring 100 people, but you can. I can't bring 200 people, but you can bring one. And we're going to bring them to a house. And when they leave, they're going to say, that place was lit. Everybody in there was rejoicing. Everybody in there was happy. Everybody in there was excited. Everybody in there was filled with the Spirit. Everybody in there had some trouble. Some people fell asleep and they died, but guess what? They woke up before the church was over with. And I came to wake you up. I came to stir you up. I came to encourage you. I'll preach all night long. You can leave. Church is over. I'll keep preaching and preaching and yelling and shouting until you get it. That we got a place here that people need. We got a church that people are waiting for. We are the people that people need. Ain't about this. It's about you. It's about sitting next to you and hearing a word of encouragement. That's what they need. Don't need another sermon. They need something to celebrate. They need redemption. They need to be set free. And it's going to happen through you. Because the sermon may not be that good. And the music may be off. I'm just telling you. And lights may go out. But they can say, I sat next to this person. And when I walked in the door, they said, no, you come sit with me. When, when I walked in the door, man, somebody, some, there was this dude with a shirt. I don't, I think his name was whatever. And man, he just, he was just really nice. And she was just so sweet to me. And, and they were just so kind to me. And I thought that my life was over. But when I came and when I left, everything was just different. I'm getting it. Can I stop preaching now? I, I don't feel like you get it yet. I can take a drink of water and just keep going. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hold you hostage. But might. Maybe next week. If it's not lit next week, I'm preaching a long time. Now, did, are you hearing that I said it wasn't lit today? Are you hearing me say that? Okay, then that means that's for you. Are you hearing that I said it was lit today? Are you hearing that I said that it was exciting? Because that's for you too. Because it was lit for me. 
because I don't need a whole bunch of people. Like I said, don't invite me to your house if you don't want me to watch the game with you. Because I'm coming with the excitement. I'm coming with the energy because it doesn't take me much to remember. It don't take me much to remember this red carpet and how many tears have been soaked in this carpet when nobody's around. When I was asking God, what should I do? How do I lead these people? How do I get them going? How many times I came in here confessing my own sins and laying right before this. It don't take me long. I can look at every single place in this church and tell you a story of how God spoke to me and reminded me of my foolishness. And reminded me of my deliverance. I remember when we didn't have no lights. I remember we didn't have any screens. I remember we had nothing. But the power of the Holy Spirit. I had two suits and a dream. And I'm trying to tell you that there's a reason for you to celebrate. You come into the house of God. Here's my last thing I want to say. I'll, I'll let you go after this. I was thinking about this. And I think, you know, when I got older and older, I didn't want to celebrate. I don't really like, I wasn't really like a birthday person right never when I got older I never really felt like my birthday was a big deal and I always kind of felt a little way about that and then we know we have kids and their birthdays come around and we do a lot for their birthday we celebrate it and then it was when I was when I was preparing for this I made the connection because I was like I think I've been doing birthdays wrong as an adult because when I sit back and think about all the birthday parties and all the Christmases and all the gifts that I got from my mom to celebrate me and I started adding that up and I started thinking about the circumstances that maybe weren't as pleasant I started thinking about the ones like 20 of them that my dad was never around and I wonder the conversation she probably had with herself about what should she do about that and how she put on a nice face and I, don't, I thought about the time she probably didn't have any money and I still had my birthday gifts and stuff like that and I thought maybe on my birthday this year I need to send her a gift <laughs> like I'm going to celebrate the fact that you carried me for nine months and I've seen my own wife deliver, and so I'm kind of remembering, like, wait a minute, that that was a problem. I, I can kind of remember when you were raising me as a single parent. That must have been really hard. Maybe, maybe my birthday is a time for me not to be celebrated, but to celebrate my mother because she brought me into this world under great circumstances. So maybe my birthday is a chance to remember all of those who loved me and labored for me and prayed for me and sacrificed for me and brought me out when I didn't have any sense. So I think this birthday, I'm going to send her a gift. This birthday, I'm going to say, you know what? Happy birthday because you brought me in out of great trial and, and tribulation. So this week, when you come next week, bring a gift. Don't come with expectancy for you. I hope this is good. Come with a praise on your lips. Come with something you want to give Jesus because you remember. You know what? Somebody cared for. Somebody was intentional about making a seat for me and I'm going to make sure that I come with a great expectation next week that God is going to speak but also that he is going to be celebrated because what he's brought me through let me just ask you to stand with me for a second I just want to pray for us and I'm going to pray and then um, Charles is going to come up here and we're going to receive the offering and I'll let you go but I just want to stand and pray here's what I want to pray for 
I want to pray that as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, that God would bring to your mind the worst season of your life. Maybe even the worst moment. God will remind you when you were ready to give up. Maybe when somebody really hurt you or you got some news that was just devastating. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about this. That you're still standing here. Right now in this room, you are standing up. Because I believe the blood was on your doorstep. And whether you put it there or somebody else put it there, the deliverance of God brought you through. I want you to think about that moment that you remember God bringing you through. And I want you to think about someone else that's still in that moment right now. And they don't know deliverance is possible. They don't know that there's blood on their life. They don't know that we're that church for them. And this is what I want to pray. I want to pray that God would bring somebody to your mind right now. Maybe somebody sitting next to you. God would bring that person. Maybe it's dad. Maybe it's brother. Maybe it's uncle. Maybe it's wife. That may just be stuck in a situation that they don't believe there's deliverance for. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for them right now. I'm going to pray very briefly, but I want you to pray with me with their face on your mind. Father, we're standing and we're thinking of some time in our life where we didn't know we were going to make it through, but you brought us through. And maybe we've never given you the praise or the glory for it. Maybe life has gone so fast that we've never stopped and thought about it was you that made us, got us through. And Lord, we confess and we apologize for some of us who have just taken it for granted or who just simply forgot. But today we remember and today we celebrate the power that you have. You've shown those around us why we serve you. And today we are thinking about some people, thinking about some people who feel trapped, thinking about some people who don't seem that they have hope. And we're praying for them right now. We're not praying for them to come just so that we can have people here, but we're praying for their deliverance, for their freedom. We're praying that they would know that there is hope. And our prayer is that you would use us to bring that message of deliverance. Maybe not in what we say, but how we live. And I pray today that we would leave here with great joy. That we will leave here knowing that somebody woke up today. Somebody came back to life today. And we're going to bring that joy and that excitement to our homes. Because church doesn't start when we get here. It starts when we leave. And we are a movement that is spreading across the city across this nation. Lord, we can't end this prayer without saying thank you. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for bringing us out. And we will remember to celebrate you 
feast and to rejoice because you are our God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. And here's a good time. Come on, it's a good time. It's a good time to say thank you. It's a good time to say hallelujah. It's a good time to say praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated.